Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, co-founder and chief royalty officer of Royalty. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparency Entertainment Group. I focus on World X USA neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side. Hello, welcome back to Money in the Air. The Neighboring Rights Podcast brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. With me, as always, Gina, Tanya, and Andrew. But today we have a special guest. It's Chris Humans, performing artist. How are you, Chris? Good. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I have been releasing singles all throughout the year. I know that out of all of the different organizations that I do sort of registration with Sound Exchange is one of them. And the letter of direction and the producer designating, how are we going to do that? What's normal? What sort of splits do we usually, we've asked a lot of people and no one seems to have a universal answer for that. So this is regarding producer royalty allocation from Sound Exchange. When you release a song, you register that song firstly as a rights owner, as the label owner of that recording. And then secondly, after that, you would claim that recording at Sound Exchange. Thirdly, when you want to allocate the a percentage of your artist share. So at Sound Exchange, you 50% of the money is for the label side, and then 50% is for performers and non-featured performers. Of the artist share, once you have agreed that that you're going to allocate a certain percentage of the artist share to your producers. You submit an LOD to Sound Exchange. They have an LOD form specifically stating what recordings should get allocated to what producer at what percentage. Then to answer your second question about what's common in terms of what the producer percentages are, average is around 20%, but it could be variable from there. So I've seen them as low as 2%, as high as maybe 50%, but 20% is pretty much the standard and be specific that mm. it is 20 percent of the featured artist share not 20 percent of the whole thing correct 20 percent of 45 percent is what gets allocated there's another organization that i've registered with before which i'm just curious about the differences between that one and sound exchange the mlc uh, M- yes so the mlc is collecting on the mechanical rights this u.s streaming mechanical rights and paying out the composition. They're collecting on different copyrights. Yeah, the MLC is only for the songwriter and the publisher. It has nothing to do with the recording. For Sound Exchange, what are they collecting on in terms of, can they collect on something like Pandora? So yeah, Sound Exchange collects on specifically non-interactive digital performance here in the United States. That is classified as such because the U.S. does not collect on AM, FM radio, terrestrial radio, like it does everywhere else in the world. So they had to really be specific. So Sound Exchange is collecting here in the U.S., from Pandora, from satellite radio stations like Sirius XM. But outside of the U.S., I'm going to pass it on to any of my other co-hosts to talk about some of the other places that collect and how they differ. So, Chris, you have a performer account with Sound Exchange. Do you know if you have a worldwide mandate with them? Or do you know if it's just a regional mandate for them to collect in America only? 
I think it's a worldwide. Okay, so if it's a worldwide one, then what they should do is claim your any royalties that are due to you, not just in America, but in the various other territories around the world as well. In the UK, we have PPL. In Germany, we have GDL. And there's an abundance of societies all around the world. One issue that you may come across is your nationality, your American, and therefore due to reciprocity. If you record in the US and you are a US citizen, then a lot of your repertoire as on the performer side won't actually be eligible for income in the other societies. However, if you're collecting the label share as well, and those recordings are registered in the United Kingdom, for example, then the label can collect the income both for the label share and what would be due to the former. The most important thing is if you're mandated worldwide with sound exchanges to make sure that you register all your repertoire and make all your claims because none of the other societies will actually get to hear about it otherwise. If you do have a particular track that receives quite a lot of airplay, it might be worthwhile considering creating an account directly, say, for example, outside of Sound Exchange with the UK, and then they can look to claim that income for you. Because if it's one thing that they do do well in the UK, it's collect neighbouring rights. So label shares and artist shares, they flow there. If you want to think of it, there's still one right but they flow kind of independently of each other sometimes. You can collect your label share through the UK, as you mentioned, and then the artist share can be a worldwide mandate. But these are two pieces of the puzzle. I want to talk about the countries that do pay Americans without any issue. So to backtrack and make it very succinct, in the early 1960s, there was a treaty called the Rome Convention, which most of the world participated in and signed, but the USA did not, and neither did Australia and a few other big territories. So it means that neighboring rights does exist for Americans. However, you won't be paid as much as a Brit or a French person or a German person or a Canadian, for example. However, Spain and the Netherlands do pay Americans at the same rate as non-Americans, which is good. And they they pay quite well. Germany also pays well. They still have their kind of different regulations in place, but it's such a huge music market that we see a lot of money from Germany. And then another point worth mentioning is if you are an American national, but you've recorded outside of the USA, then you can get more royalties. So we advise people to like cross the border and record in Canada or down in Mexico, if you can do that easily. It just, it makes you qualify and you'll hear that a lot as a term, like does this qualify? So either record outside of the US or it helps if you're a resident overseas, <laughs> but that's like quite major and drastic. But if you wanted to go and live in Toronto or London, you'd qualify. So I hope that helps. It's just little tips like that, which can maximize your income. Wow. So if you actually record outside of the US, it's different for payout for sound exchange. Yeah. So that's because of the treaty that you were speaking of? Yeah. So if you recorded in Canada or the UK, that's because their signatory of this treaty and for an example I won't name names but I used to look after a session musician that would play as a non-featured artist on you know loads of American recordings made in America by American artists and he flew over to London to do a last minute session on an Adele track and so because it was recorded in the UK just one song he, he made a fortune from that one song but if it had all happened in the US yes there'd still be decent money because it's Adele and she gets some crazy airplay but it would not have been anywhere as near as much worth bearing in mind so I need to move to the UK <laughs> to record <laughs> <And you also> need- <laughs> 
You also need to take into account the cost of recording abroad somewhere else versus what you expect to earn. Statutory license. So something like Pandora versus direct license, which would be something like Spotify. Those are completely separate and only one of them has to do with collections for sound exchange which would be Pandora, SiriusXM. There are two licenses primarily that are done for streaming. One of them is for the reproduction, so sales, flat streaming. And then the second of which is performance licenses on this. On the composition side, you have mechanical earnings, and then you also have performance earnings that are permitted. On the recording side, those licenses are negotiable to reproduce the recording on streaming platforms, but the performance licenses for non-interactive digital performance are statutory. So these are decided by the Copyright Royalty Board every couple of years to determine the rate. So currently it's 0.0023 per stream on Pandora. Thank you so much for joining us today. Those were brilliant questions. And I know there'll be a lot of people out there that will benefit from those answers. And thank you everyone for listening. Remember, if you're not already a member of IFR, go to www.iafar.co.uk and hit that join button. And if you are, but you have more questions, email us, info at ifr.co.uk. Thanks guys.